I just, I'm just like coping with like dealing with it, I guess, emotionally. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. With all the craziness, because you're just like, cool, I've got a full to-do list, but also everything is weird in the world, you know? So it's just like... And there's no structure to it. And it's like, no, obviously no. in creative stuff, you always have to kind of create your own structure, but mm, it's even mm. more extreme where it yeah. really is just down to you and yeah. how you prioritize things yeah. in the kind of expanse of a day. Yeah. And so I find like, for example, yesterday I had a bad night's sleep. And so today I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to do a lot. Sometimes you just have to have a day off, right? Yeah, you have oh. to just reset and mm, restore. Yeah. And I already feel much better for just having a day of like, okay, it's fine. We can... Because I'm also finding that everybody's really understanding at the moment of the, of like, you know, schedules moving slightly, you know? Yeah. People are being really cool in the job as well. So it's... It's 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 a nice working environment at the moment. Yeah, people are like being fair. And yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first remotely recorded edition of Hot Girls, the first of a few, I imagine. This week, I am joined by Hannah V, who I am going to rinse for insights, information, and also some musical recommends. So you're all very welcome. Uh, Hannah has had an amazing career in music, and no doubt it is just beginning. She started as a session musician, working closely with some artists you may have heard of, including Rihanna, uh, Eminem, Jessie J, and Anastasia, involving into production and songwriting. She's released music under her own name, but she's also worked closely with some of the UK's most celebrated pop and urban artists, including Stormzy, JP Cooper, and Gorgon City. She's also worked with brands, including Nissan, Adidas, and Rimmel, having been commissioned to create music specifically for their campaign work. Hannah V, welcome to Hot Girls. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you so much for having me and for that lovely intro. <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, listen up. You're listening to Hot Girls. With Lex of the Dead. We in the mix. It's fire. Keep it going. We on fire. From London for the world. Let's go in. Okay, so I want to start by getting an understanding of child Hannah. Yes. Where did you grow up and what were you what were you like as a as a youngster? So the where is going to be a bit confusing. I'm warning you now already. <laughs> yeah. Um I was born in Berlin. My parents are South Indian. I lived in India for a couple of years when I was five years old. Then I moved back to Berlin and went to an American school in Berlin. Okay. Before moving to London 15 years ago to study um, study music here. So in terms of growing up, I've had so many different cultural influences, really, you know, because yeah. obviously I, I'm Indian, but I grew up in Germany, but I went to an American school and now UK is my home. And I feel like all of those cultures really live in me, you know? Yes. Why did you live in Berlin specifically? Were your parents, was it job related or? Yeah, so my dad, my dad moved over as a foreign worker years ago. Um, and in a very old school, traditional way, he needed a wife. So he, he wrote a letter, <laughs> wrote a letter home. His mom found my mom, arranged marriage, all of that, you mm-hmm. know. And then uh, my mom moved over with my dad to Berlin. And that's, you know, that's just how, yeah, where we were born. Yeah. So there's also just thinking about the music cultures that are yeah. going on there. There's yeah. like three incredible, mm. but very different music cultures. Yeah. yeah. What was the, the kind of dominant music that you listened to in your house when you were growing up? Well, in my house, what we listened to. So I come from a um, Christian family. And so my dad and mom would just be blasting Tamil Christian songs, you know, <laughs> like on a Saturday at like 7.30 in the morning. You're like, dad, really? Like, please don't be lying. <laughs> um, so it's, it's so, so interesting. Was it because they loved, they loved the group or just like? Yeah, yeah, both. I think it's a bit of all, you know, yeah. like they just love love singing along to those songs. They love the groove. They love the melodies. And it's it's kind of like quite classical hymns-like, you know, uh-huh. that kind of style, but obviously with Asian instruments. Um, and so I had that then. The church I went to was very classical. So there was a lot of opera singers and stuff like mm-hmm. that that um, went there. So that's where I kind of played, learned really how to sight read. Then in school, my American school, that's where I kind of got introduced to jazz. And that's where I was playing in jazz bands and jazz ensembles and some orchestras and, you know, choirs or whatever. So like a lot of music all around me, yeah. you know, and not, not just one genre, just, just different stuff. 
Uh-huh. And so you started playing, was piano the first instrument that you yes. mm-hmm. really got to learn? Yeah, um, the only instrument I play, really, you know? Okay. I say I play the piano and the computer because I do feel producing, I feel the computer is an instrument. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? So when did you start learning piano? Was you super young? Um, I was super young. So I started in India when I was five. Then I kind of took a break for, I don't know, three, four years or whatever. Mm. Um, continued when I was eight, nine, that kind of age. Was a classical pianist as a kid, really, you know? And I got to, you know, quite a high level, got to a competing level. And then I became a teenager and my lessons were on a Friday on a Friday afternoon. And I was like, nah, I can't do this. I need to hang with my homies. Mm. Uh, so I quit lessons for a couple of years. But because I went to such a musical high school, the teachers kind of recognized that was what I was interested in. And so I got put into certain choirs, just playing in orchestras, playing in choirs. And then we started in a jazz band there. And my big band teacher gave me my first jazz records, gave me two tapes. I still remember like two tapes of like Miles Davis, Coltrane, McCoy Tyner and Roy Hargrove. And he gave, and he's just like, Hannah, I think you'll dig this. And I listened, I must have been 15 or something like that. And I listened and I was like, that's, that's me done. That's me done. <laughs> I love this. I want to do this for the rest of my life. Ah. I started learning piano when I was younger and I mm. gave up because it's kind mm. of one of my big regrets because mm. it was just too hard work because you yeah. have to be so disciplined to actually do yeah. the practice. Even if mm. you love it, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. discipline. But you know what I think really helped me is that so many of my friends were musicians. Mm. And I think that helps because you practice together, you do together. You're like this gang together, you know? Yeah. Um, and that, I think if I didn't have that, I wonder, I wonder what my life would have looked like, you know? Yeah. But because we were just, it was just such a, so, it was such a social thing yeah. after school, going to this band, going to that choir, practicing this, rehearsing this, playing in church. It was like, it was just a lifestyle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah, I just yeah. kind of took over that just just followed me as I grew up. Yeah. So I, I feel I was really fortunate to to have grown up in such musical surroundings. Have those friendships and those people that you played with music, mm. have they evolved? Like, have they come with you or is it kind of, like, are you still in touch with a lot of those people? I'm still, so my best friend that I kind of started jazz with, she lives in London as well and she's a singer. Um, my other best friend is an opera singer. So a lot of the crew, we stayed, we still stay close and we're still doing, we don't necessarily work together a lot, yeah. but everybody's still kind of doing music professionally and we obviously support each other. Yeah. Um, so, so that's quite, that's quite a kick because you, you know, you come back to high school reunions and all of that yeah. and we're still the same. We're like still, everybody else is like, you know, grown up and doing like real stuff and, and we're, we're like still coming from gigs or studio or, you know, it feels <laughs> just like, feels like, doesn't feel like a real job, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You're just like, I still play. Every yeah, day. I still play and are like, you know, or you know how it is and our gigging heels and whatever, you know, like all the... <laughs> Um, so it's still, it's a, it's a trip that we're still all doing it. So what was the, what, did you come to like, you came to London to study? Yeah, I did. And was it music that you studied? Yes. Yeah, so I went to the Royal Academy of Music to study jazz piano. Uh-huh. So that was like crazy. It was intense. Um, it's one of the best conservatories in the world, you know? So it was like quite intimidating because, um, they only took one pianist a year on the jazz course or one trumpet player a year. So my year was six people, you know? Yeah. So you kind of. You've, I felt the pressure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I think it's also the whole thing of like, you know, in school, I was like one of the best musicians, blah, blah, blah. And you just get into your head. You just, you don't, it's, it wasn't arrogance. I just didn't think about it any further, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you come to London and I was literally surrounded by like child prodigies who, you know, who started when they were three, who were prof- fully professional when they were 10. And I was like, didn't wow. go to the parties on the Friday. Listen, they did. The, they did definitely did not go to the parties on Fridays. <laughs> and so, you know, you kind of like all of a sudden you're a very small fish. Yeah. You know, in the sea. Yeah. And um, it was very humbling and it was scary. But to this day, you know, like the people I met at the academy, some of the best musicians in the world. It's, it's insane that I got to be around that and around that energy. You it's know? true. And I think it's probably that thing about your world and, mm. and your world was when you're in there, everybody's this incredible musician. So yeah. it makes you be at that level. And then yeah. probably stepping into the real world, you were like, oh, I am an incredible musician again, but in that environment. You know what? I think it made me in many ways, I think there's good things and bad things about it. One of the negatives about it is it made me very critical of myself because when you're surrounded by the best 
and you comparing yourself to the best in the world, mm. it's a bit intense, you know? And I think it's only in the last kind of five years where I've calmed down a bit and just thought, I'm good. I'm good enough. Of course, yeah. I've worked really hard. I've worked, you know, like, but I think when you compare yourself to the top 1% all the time, it, it was a bit intense, yeah. you know? But then yeah. the plus side of it is now, now that I've taken a step back from it and I see I, can, I have these musicians I can utilize. Do you know what I mean? These amazing, these friends of mine who are insane yeah. and, and who wouldn't necessarily work, um, work themselves in, in like my genres, but that I, then I can hit them up and be like, can you do me a beautiful string arrangement? Or can you, you know, I, I know how to tie these worlds together. And that's yeah. always been my strength, yeah. you know, because I come from so many different worlds. I know how to make it work. So now I get a real buzz, like calling some of my old jazz friends or classical friends and be like, I need an opera part. And like, like I've got opera singers jumping on my hip hop tracks, you know, like stuff, like crazy stuff yeah. where even my artists, my rappers and all that, they're like, Hannah, this is insane. I'm like, listen, this yeah, is because for them, it's what not I can a world. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so, it's, and, and for me and, and my classical friends, it's, it's really fun for them too. Like I just tell them to sing something. And then, you know, two days later, I send it to them with a rapper, like kind of, you know, proper gangster rapper jumping on that kind of stuff. So it's not something they would ever have done. Yeah. In their in their worlds, you know, and I get such a buzz from just combining the best out of all the worlds because because I love that, you know. Yeah. So when you graduated, mm. were you very directional about what you wanted to do, or were you just like, I know I want a career in music. Let's see what my options are. Um, I think because I studied jazz. I graduated and I was like, whoa, how do you make money playing jazz? You know, like I, f- I found it really hard in the beginning and I did what everybody else does living in a big city. You know, I had a part-time job. I taught a lot of piano. I played in every hotel and every bar there was. I played like background piano, you know, like yeah. you just do what you have to do. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I, ne- I, ne- I didn't realize where my life was going to lead me. Right. So I didn't, didn't realize all the things I was going to do. So even then, and it was hard, it was a slog. But even then I was thinking, I was proud of myself because I was thinking, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still a musician. Mm-hmm. I'm making it work. You know, it's not glamorous. My little 30 pound gig here, my little 40 pound gig there, but still I'm making it work. People are paying me to play music yeah, and that was, was a, the intention. You know, yeah. And so you just, and I think in general, as a character, I just crack on with stuff. You know, you're just mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. So it's, it's going to be a very long day. I've got to play for five hours here. Then I have to teach there. Then I have to do my job there, but whatever. We just, we do what we have to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um And kind of after a couple of years of doing that and uh, jobbing around, I ended up getting into session work. And this was through one of my friends at the academy, actually. He had a session agency. He's like, Hannah, we need you to play for something. And at this point, I had never played pop. I didn't really know about keyboards. But it was my friend. And he's like, listen, don't worry about it. We got you. We'll show you the ropes as you're doing Mm -hmm. the job. And I did my first pop gig and I really fell in love with like the process of pop rehearsals and gear and keyboards and programming and all of that. And that kind of started that whole journey for me. So then, I mean, you've worked with so many amazing artists. Mm. What are kind of some highlights and also maybe some... Not necessarily low lights, but things that weren't so great, particularly yeah. about your experiences on tour and traveling. Mm. I mean, I always say that every job has two sides to it, every mm. single job. So from the outside, it might look like the most glamorous thing ever. But of course, there's also going to be you know, a downside to it. I think the best part of my job as a touring musician was traveling. I got to see the world. I had a snowball fight on you know, the Great Wall of China. I partied with... Uh, <laughs> Pitbull in Miami. I played Staples Center with Eminem and Rihanna. I mean, you know, things going to Rio de Janeiro and kind of doing rock and reel there, like things where you're just like, how's this even my life? Like big experiences. When you party with Pitbull, does he, did he buy the drinks or is he like... You know what? I barely remember that because again, obviously we were all partying. I just remember like the next day people being like, yeah, Hannah, did you realize that we were all there with Pitbull? It's like, I didn't even clock or whatever. You know, like... It's Miami, yeah. It's Miami, you know. Um, But um, but uh, these were like all amazing experiences. But the dance, not the downside, but one of the things that was hard was you're gone for so long. You're gone for Mm. eight months a year. You know, you're constantly tired. You're flying from time zone to time zone to time zone. It's intense, you know, because your job, like for those two and a half hours on stage, you have to be on it. I was doing some of the biggest gigs in the world. Like, can't mess up. You can't. You know, it's just not. 
you can't do that because there's yeah. hundreds of musicians who want your job. Yeah. Um, so the pressure was intense. The traveling was hard. And being away from home for so long, I was on the road pretty much, you know, for eight years. Uh, like after a while, the concept of home wasn't even real, you know, yeah. you kind of think what, what is home? Home is where I come home to detox and sleep a bit before I, I go off on the road again, you know? So there was this, um, this kind of back and forth where you kind of felt like a bit of a ghost. So for me, when I made that decision to quit touring and be a full-time producer, it was the right decision for me. And again, mm-hmm. if to each their own, I've got friends that are going to be that are just doing the tour till the day they die. You know, they just love it. They love the yeah. lifestyle. They are, that's what they are. For me, I got all the experience I, I wanted out of it. And it was amazing and it was beautiful. And for me, like one of the biggest things was like, you know, kind of having my family, my cousins, everybody come to gigs. My grandma mm. was there well, at my Rihanna gig with Eminem and Staples Center. And she was asking, who's that man jumping around on stage? Just like, it's Eminem, don't worry about it, girl. He's like, you know, maybe the best rapper of all time, but he you know, is. <laughs> you know, things like that. So it's like, but for me, it was it was the right decision to change change up my career when I did it. Did London, when you were away, did London always feel like home? Or no, did... no, because again, I was in London, I was in Berlin, I was here, yeah. I was there, you know, like, uh, like I wasn't part of anything. Mm. Do you know what yeah, I mean? I do, and again, yeah. I'm sh- uh, and I'm sure it's like, it was the same with DJs and stuff like that. When you travel that much, it's a strange existence, mm. you know? Um, and because I was younger too, I didn't necessarily take care of the relationships at home. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call regularly. I wouldn't, yeah. you know, like, cause, cause you just, you just lost in the bubble and mm-hmm. the bubble is fun and it's exciting and it's high intensity and it's all these big experiences, you know? And kind of the older I got, I realized that you just really have to nurture your relationships at home. You have to pick up the phone. You have to listen. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't just, you can't just call when you're having a bad day on the road. That's not cool. Yeah. You know, but these are all mistakes we, everybody makes and mm-hmm. you kind of, you, you learn. It's um, hard as well though, because your lifestyle is really out of sync with people. So if you completely. call, you can feel mm-hmm. like it can almost jar you a bit and it's sort yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. not actually be a very energizing experience mm-hmm. because your lives are so different and then it just makes you question things. So in some ways yeah. it's probably easier to stay in the bubble that you're in yeah. of kind of touring and traveling. But then, yeah. But then, you know, I kind of saw like people that, that made their relationships work. They made an effort. Right. You yeah. know, yeah. They, flew, they flew their families in on days off. They made sure they called every day. They made sure, you know, like, and, yeah. I, and as I saw that, I was like, okay, there's, there's a way of doing this touring thing without losing yourself. Uh-huh. So then you came back to London, you kind mm-hmm. of decided time, time was up. Production, like how did you start to learn the ropes of, of that? I'd always been int- interested in production, you know, mm-hmm. and I'd kind of been around some great producers who'd show me the ropes. I think um, one really important gig for me was I um, toured with the Bugs in the Attic for um, a couple of years. And they're a broken beat collective of like nine amazing producers in London, you know, and four of them were on the road as well. So like on the tour bus, they just kind of took me under their wing. So we just have our uh, laptops open. They show me how to, how they work in logic, how, how they kind of chop up beats. And I just kind of learned a lot from them. So every, all my production skills, I just learned from people, yeah. you know, I'd learned from being in studios, trial and error from people. Sure. I, I was never afraid to ask questions. Um, and then even when I was doing the session gigs, I'd kind of help the musical directors a lot. The day, couple of days before first show, it always gets crazy because like every, everything's changing. And, you know, so I'd be like, do you need me to, ha- do, you, do you want me to help kind of program some stuff? And you know, people would be like, hey, yeah, please, Anna, can you, can you look at those vocals? Can you do that? So I was always very comfortable with logic. It just came mm-hmm. quite naturally to me, yeah. you know? That, br- that part of my brain was just always like switched on. But interestingly enough, it's, it's one thing producing as a hobby or for yourself, uh, when I quit produ- uh, when I quit touring, I quit because I got signed as a producer artist to Sony. Okay. And um, all of a sudden, it was like, okay, now you're a real producer. And I was like, whoa. And I quickly realized that there's a very big difference to being a professional producer, you know, to yeah. being in the studio 24-7. And thankfully, one of my best friends is a guy called... Um, Alex Kors Hayes, and who was an amazing producer, mix engineer. He did all of Professor Green stuff. And, and so he kind of was like, in my first year of me being signed, he kind of co-produced everything with me. And him doing that, I learned everything. I learned how to run sessions. I learned how to deliver things to labels, like things that I'd never thought about. Before. Yeah. 
you know even I suppose artist expectation when they come in of the course, room like everything yeah, I had, how prepared you yeah, need to be yeah all of that so and people you know people that have been produced he, he'd been producing for like 10 years already you know so mm-hmm. people have their methods and I very quickly kind of had to learn from I got I just got a crash course into this is what it means being a full-time producer yeah you know yeah um so it was intense but after a year I was just like I got it now I know what I need to do and you know since then I've been like super only getting more and more comfortable in yeah. this world. So what are your, what are your, what's your setup? What do you need? Is it simple? Is it complex? I mean, you said keyboard and logic. Mm. So in my studio, obviously I'm a keyboard player, so I've got a couple of keyboards, you know, <laughs> and, I've, uh, and I've got a piano. I've got a beautiful, um, beautiful piano there. Um, but for me, like my main setup is I just need, a keyboard, I need my laptop, I need a great mic and, uh, you know, a preamp and whatever, you know, just a good vocal chain and I can kind of do what I need to do. But I always need to finish, go back to my studio to finish up stuff on my synths or on my piano or whatever, you know, like I need that. But again, because I still travel quite a lot, I'm so used to just pulling out my laptop anywhere, you know, like in the airport, whatever, and just cracking on with it. But at the very, at the very least, I need a keyboard. Yeah. I'm a pianist, you know, so at the very least, that's, that's what I need. That's your kind of foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your and the rest, you just, you just kind of make work, you know, um, it's great. Be, it's, I'm in my studio, like half of the year at least, you know, so mm-hmm. like, that's where all of my gear is, all of my great gear is. And then the rest of are jumping, jumping around here and there, you just make it work. Yeah. You know? And how do you typically, do you have a certain way that you like to work with artists in terms mm-hmm. of how prepared you are when you start working together? I think when I first started, so this is like my sixth year of being a professional producer. Mm. And I think even like a couple of years ago, I'd be like really prepared because I'd be nervous. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not nervous anymore just because I don't know. I'm just like, I know what I'm doing. And sometimes you have good days and sometimes you have slightly off days. And for me, it's more about the experience of trying to connect as human beings. Right. So I, ha- I always have beats, I have beat packs, because especially rappers like to just um, go through beats. Singers, you know, like I'll either do a beat from scratch with them in the room so that I can really cater it to them or we'll sit, um, be around the piano and start something. And I can work in so many different ways. I kind of mm-hmm. don't, I don't care. I always have beats there just in, just in case we all want to start from something that's already there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And these beats I just make all the time. I'm always like knocking up new beats, new little ideas. I've got folders of just pianos or just beats or, you know, I've got different genres. But when it comes down to sessions, I take a, I definitely, I go in a couple of hours early before the session, before the artist arrives mm-hmm. and just kind of sit there and just listen to their music mm-hmm. and maybe come up with a couple of ideas that I think might suit, you know? Yeah. And then the session starts and then we either go with those or we don't, but I, I like to kind of focus for a couple of hours on the day, um, just zone in. Yeah. Um, but I don't prep bef- too much before uh-huh. because also I have too many sessions. I don't have the time, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Otherwise you wouldn't sleep. <laughs> yes. I trust my instinct now enough to know that I just need a couple of hours yeah. before, before to just zone in. But I think you're right. I think that so much comes from experience. I think mm. prep in the early days is probably one of the most helpful things in the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. It makes you yeah. feel confident and... Mm. Confidence is one of the hardest things yeah, when starting out. Yeah. Who have been people that you've worked with that it's just been a really wonderful relationship, mm. chemistry? I mean, for me, um, JP Cooper is one of the main artists mm. I work with. And it's it's just, he's just so insanely ridiculous. And also, we're just such great friends. We started, um, we first met actually on a gig. I was playing for an artist called Layla Hathaway, Donny Hathaway's daughter. Mm-hmm. And he was opening up for her in Manchester. That's how we first met. And then we, his first writing session ever was actually with me. And so um, when we first started working, working together, we kind of both were just like, I don't know what I'm doing, just kind of <laughs> doing stuff, you know? And then, you know, I got signed, he got signed and we just continued working together. And I think our bond is so close now, like musically, yeah. you know, because we've, yeah. we've just done it for so long together and he completely trusts me. He trusts the musicians I get on board. And so that relationship for me is so special because like, and it's so weird. It's, it's a strange thing being a fan of your friend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're just like, yeah. I don't want to be a fan girl, but you're amazing. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Everything yeah. you do is amazing. He just sent me a little video. Um, he did like a Insta Live yesterday and he just sang something. I was like, bro, send me that video immediately because I need to put some keys to it. You know, and, yeah. and again, and it's just like, I hate being that. It's, it's slightly cringe. I'm like, you're so, you're literally the best, but he's one of the best singers, I think, in the world. And so for me to be working with someone like that so closely is amazing. Yeah. Um, working with someone like Stormzy, of course, you know, like, it's just insane. Like Stormzy walked into the studio. My studio is quite a small studio and just him sitting there, he's just a present. Yeah. And, and he was so like, he knew exactly what he wanted, mm. um, wanted to write about. And, and again, this was a session me, JP and Storms did together and both JP and Storms just like wrote their bars. So we finished the entire song, started from scratch, finished it in three hours, you know? That's insane. And those are the vocals that, we used in the end on the final yeah. version as well, you know? So it's, I love working with artist artists, man, like artists yeah. that just have something to say that, and that, 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 that have characters as well. One of my favorite artists and a very good friend of mine is a girl called Pepper Rose and she's incredible and her energy is mental and she just walks in and she's like, wow. And like, literally we will do songs in, in uh, babes, I quit you not in 20 minutes. Uh, one of the best songs that we've done is a song called crown that hopefully will come out on Pepper's project sometime this year. She wrote, it took us longer to film the videos for Insta than it took to write the song. <laughs> Because I'd made the beat quickly in the morning. She came down. She's like, rah, wrote the song in 20 minutes. Then we spent 10 minutes jumping around out of excitement. And then like 30 minutes getting the angles right. Well, people listening are probably like, that takes a while. <laughs> it does take time to get the angles right. You know, and, and we were just, cra- we were cracking up. We're like, this is crazy, man. How is this? You know, so I think a genuine connection is so, 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 so important when yeah. you're making music. Again, chorus, who I told you, who, who, um, you know, taught me everything in the first yeah. year of me being a full-time producer. Like when we work together a lot, he mixes all of my records. Having that relationship is so important because I don't feel any way saying, oh, I don't like that. Can we try something else? And they don't feel any way saying that to me either. And that's so important because you cut through the BS. Yeah. You know, Because ultimately yeah. we're all there for the song. We all think everyone else is incredible. So we, we know we're celebrating each other. So yeah. any tweaks we're giving... They're made out of love. They're made for the song. Then yeah. it's, and so. You don't want to be sitting there feeling sent or feeling no. awkward or like you can't. Yeah. But to be enough. fair, of course you feel like that with a stranger, you know, because when somebody I don't know that well is like, mm, Hannah, I'm not sure. My heart is like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, like it's just, yeah. we're just human beings, right? That's yeah. just totally normal. Whereas when my homies say that, I'm like, whatever. Okay. Well, you're right. Yes. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like you're still pissed for like a second, but then you get over it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's so, so important, not thinking I'm going into work, but being like, I'm going to hang with my friend, you know? And yeah. again, like I, I, when, when we're back in normal life and uh, sessions are back to normal, you know, I kind of like have 60% of the sessions, 60, 70% of the sessions I do are with new, new, new artists. And that's, you know, that's you getting to know people. It's not that it's more formal, but it's, it's like, it is. Yeah, yeah. It is more formal. And then the sessions I have with my friends are just like, and breathe. Yeah. And relax. Yeah. But then out of the new, new people that you do sessions with, some of them become your friends and some of them go into that category, you know? So that's why it's so important for me to also do new sessions and always try out stuff. But I live for the sessions with my friends. Thinking about new artists and new artists mm. who might be listening and thinking about mm. their approach to going into the studio. Do you notice there's a difference in terms of the level of confidence and, and assertiveness that people come in with? And I guess, do you have any kind of guidance or advice for people when they're, when they're just starting out? The main advice is, and it's, everybody says this and uh, it might sound cheesy, but you really have to be yourself. You really Because me as a producer, I don't care if you come in and are shy or super loud, if you want to immediately start drinking, if you roll with your homies, I don't care. Because I know that whatever you need to do to feel comfortable in the studio, that's fine. I'm here for you. I'm here for the song, right? So just just come to me as you are and the rest will figure out. You know, and that is so, so important. You don't, you don't have to impress people. You don't have to, you know, like if you, if you had a crap day, come set, let's talk about it. You yeah. know, it's totally fine. Like the studio is a safe place. I take that so serious. My studio is a safe space. I don't care if we don't make one note of music. I don't want anybody leaving the studio feeling worse than when they came. You yeah. Know? yeah. Like it's a safe space. It's a beautiful safe a space. It's a sacred space. I feel fortunate and humbled that people tell me all of their stories and so for me it's just like just come and just let's just be honest 
And yeah. if you're feeling a bit tired and you're like, yo, Hannah, I was just like, let's go downstairs, get a glass of wine, get a cup of tea, whatever. We'll you know, like what's needed to do yeah, to kind of yeah. make us feel and good. Don't approach sessions. Try not to approach sessions because we all do it from time to time. Try not to approach sessions, be like, we need a hit, we need something. It's all that's not how hits are written. Mm. You know, I really, 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 really believe that you just gotta go in and, and catch a vibe. And you know, and it's fine. Sometimes we have to write um write to brief, right? And so it's like write a track in this type of style. That's cool, but still bring your own personality to it. Yeah. Somehow. You yeah. know? The one tip I got from Chorus actually that really stuck with me is every you have to find something dope about everything you do. Mm-hmm. So I had to do a project the other day, which is like super 80s and like not the type of music I do at all, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't like, I don't even know what to do. But then you just find elements that you think are dope, a cool synth patch or something, you know? Yeah. You have to, you have to dig it yeah. really genuinely because people feel it. It comes out in the music. There are no, there are no shortcuts. There's no, there's no, you know, like let's write a quick pop song to make money. That stuff doesn't exist. It doesn't, mm. that stuff doesn't translate. I think there's a bit of a preconception that certain music is easier to do than others. It's not. You have to be genuine. You have to be genuine. And um, just, and that's my main, main advice. Come in and bring you, everything you do, put some of you in it, Mm. you know? Mm. And also when you love it, I don't give a, I don't care. I'll post it. I'll talk, I will scream from the top of a madness how dope the song is because I believe it. I don't even care if people are digging it or not. And that's really important too. You have to be able to stand behind your own stuff. Yeah. Confidently. Also because have. because audiences um they they trend so something mm. might not be cool this year and then next year they might be all over it. We can never make music thinking what do they want. We can mm. never do that. Can't do that. Yeah. I actually, I was watching an in, uh, interview with Kendrick Lamar mm. yesterday where he was basically saying exactly that. He was like mm. labels and people will try and tell you that audiences are easy to manipulate and that they mm. can't but they can hear when something isn't of real. Of course. Of course. So I want to ask you a bit about artists who have inspired you, maybe starting kind of early days, but then mm. also now who are you digging? I mean, early days, again, I was such a geek, you know, I was a jazz geek. So <laughs> while everybody else was like listening to like cool music or whatever, I was there with my Miles Davis records and my Coltrane records with my Harvey Hancock records. Um, so jazz for me is always going to be my first love, Yeah, you know? And, and I think there's, like the whole concept of jazz I take with me everywhere I go, that improvisational spirit of just like, we'll just switch it up depending on who's in the room. We'll just go with the flow. That's, you know, like, and I find, I find I live my life in a very jazz way, you Uh know, like just, it's all, listen, we all do. We're all, we're all just, you know, just making it up as we, as we go along. Right. Yes. And, um, but I'm comfortable in that. I'm comfortable in improvisation, in life, in music. As a, when I was younger, jazz played a very big role. Um, when I was older, you know, I'm really fell in love with all the classic soul records, you know. So for me, Aretha Franklin, Donny Hathaway, Marvin Gaye. I mean, those records, because it's, it's not just the singers and the songs, it's the musicians that played mm. on those records. You know, it's just yeah. the best. And for, for me, like, I, can, I will never stop listening to those records. But then also, of course, I got into, you know, hip-hop. I got into R&B. I got into new soul. I got into anything with really nice chords, you know, like, like he's like, like all the Kendrick records. He's got some of the best jazz musicians in the world on there. I just love yes, he's that very jazz influenced, actually. Mm-hmm. Isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So that kind of stuff, I just you know. But then I also like really hard stuff, you know. I like gully stuff. I'll, I'll listen to Lil Wayne all day as well, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so for me, and again, I think it's like it. It all reflects my upbringing. Like I like so many different things, you know. Like yeah. and like I genuinely love it. Yeah. Um, so one day I'll listen to Aretha the next day, you know, I'll listen to, I mean, Mac Miller is one of my biggest influences. I love his production. I love him as an artist. Um, do you have a favorite Mac Miller song? Wow. Wow. I know. <laughs> Asking the tough questions today. Wow. One favorite. No, because they change all the time because mm-hmm. I love, I love from the circles album. So the new one that, um, uh, 
I don't know how to pronounce it, posthumous. How do you say a that? Posthumous. Yeah. Posthumous. Yeah. There's posthumous album. There's a track on there called That's On Me that is absolutely beautiful. Um, Swimming, Come Back to Your Earth. The first track of Swimming is just incredible. Divine Feminine, that whole album changed my life. I mean, it's just too many songs on there that I love. Okay. Um, I was I, I was so obsessed with Cinderella. I played. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I love like his Spotify gigs. I love his unplugged things. I love it when it's just him on, on Rose or whatever. He, I'm obsessed with Mark. And yeah, just may rest in peace. He is one of the best artists ever. Mm. So sorry, I lost my train of thought because now I know we went in. I'm in like, I'm in like <laughs> Matt, Matt Miller land. I'm like, I'm just fangirling. Then the more I got into the producer journey, the more I listened, mm-hmm. started really listening to producers. And like for me, Kanye West was a massive, massive influence, you know, like again, because he uses a lot of pianos in his records, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. a lot of very gospel, soul pianos, you know, a lot of it are samples, of course, but still like I love all of that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm really, you know, there's so many great UK producers that I'm into. Um, I love Swindle. I love prog- yeah. Progression, Cadenza, Toddler T, obviously Steel Bangles. I'm Asian, so I'm always going to represent for Steel <laughs> yeah. ba- for Bangles. And obviously he's a ridiculous producer. Yeah. I love Grades' production. I love Ghosty. I love UK production. It's so hard, some of the UK production. It's yeah. so quirky. Yeah. Um, hard and the sonics of it are so specific i just i just get lost in these producers yeah you know? I, w- I wonder um and i think i'm thinking kind of now but like london just is such a cosmopolitan kind of mm. hotbed of cultures and i feel like it's such an early adopter of mm. different sounds from all over the world so i think a lot mm. of the producers you've said like Toddler T, for example. I mean i think he's an incredibly consistent producer but he mm. his sound really evolves and yeah yeah cool. Some records will feel really like dance hall-y and then others yeah. will kind of be really dubby. So it, mm. I think there's, there's probably something about London that it just yeah. is a good place to bring different cultures Absolutely. together. Absolutely. And I think that's why I resonate with a lot of these producers too, because they do so many different things. Because I mm. remember when I started, I remember having a meeting with a publisher or whatever, and uh, the guy's just saying to me, Hannah, you can't produce soul one day and drill <laughs> another day and R&B another day and an acoustic track another day. And I thought to myself, but why? Why can't I? Yeah. These are all elements of me. These are all parts of me. You know, like this is all, you can hear a Hannah V record regardless if there's pianos on there or not. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I kind of, like I agreed because I was just like, I felt I had to. But inside, I was just thinking, I think you're wrong. The inside rebel is like... Yeah, I, I just think, I just thought like, of course, I'm not going to put all of that on one project together. I understand yeah. that projects need to be consistent, but yeah. I do traditional kind of soul music with J.P. Cooper, but I'm also bringing out loads of jewel trucks in the next couple of months, you know? Mm-hmm. that's And that's, both of them 100% Hannah V, yeah. you know? And yeah. everything in between. So um, I think exactly, you hit the uh, nail on the head, like with these producers, they just do whatever they want to do. And you can still tell tell that it's them. You're naturally going to put yourself into your music. Exactly. It's that's creating yeah. it. So that kind of, that's a consistency. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Miramas has gone really different with this mm. album. Yeah. Or even like James Blake, you know, like from, mm. from where he started to the records he did for other people, like you can do whatever, yeah. you know, sky's the limit. You don't, I don't want to box myself. Yeah. Um, and then artist-wise, who are you yeah. enjoying right now? Who's inspiring you? Kate Trinata, always. Oh God, that's another producer. Gosh, look at me. I'm just like, <laughs> like the producer artist. <laughs> I know. Um, I love, you know what? I love Kanye's new projects, his gospel project, um, his Sunday family, uh, his Sunday project, um, the choir thing. I think that's really amazing. Of course, I'm a massive fan of artists like her. You know, anything. Um, yes. I love everything DJ Camper produces. So I, I loved all the stuff he did for her for Jesse J, for Mary J. Blige or whatever. Again, I guess I'm, I, I guess I'm still very producer drawn, even with these answers. Yeah. You know, um, I like a certain sound. Mm. You know? I think probably a lot of, only now maybe producers are starting to get a little bit more light. Yeah. People yeah. are starting to yeah. get a bit more understanding of the producer's role. Mm. And probably kind of having the fame, the more famous known producers has helps that suddenly people realize yeah. that person was kind of behind. Yeah, yeah. 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 I got to hear mm. an experience. Yeah. But other like, I love Childish Gambino. I love Chance the Rapper. Yeah. Jenna Aiko, Frank Ocean. I love people that are innovators. I love people 
that aren't afraid of testing new waters. I, I love people that just have their own sound where you can tell that it's their record. And at Janae, I think actually, she's, mm. I think she's amazing. She very much puts herself into her records, mm. but like mm. every part of herself. So yeah. she'll be one track I'm talking about, like, chill me another side mm. is like emotional me and then mm. it's party mm. me and I really like that absolutely kind of that's a full human experience completely and that's why I think like Rihanna is the undefeated queen of that mm. you know you got your party records you got your ballads you got everything because that's us as human beings yeah you know we need trucks to party to we need trucks to cry to yeah why can't they all come from the same artist <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> we need them all yeah <laughs> So just a kind of couple of final questions I wanted to ask you. Is there any advice that you would have given yourself maybe when you were younger or starting Mm. out that would have been helpful that you now know? Yeah, definitely. Um, One of the points I touched on before, be you. Um, I remember, especially when I first got signed um, to Sony, I kind of was embarrassed of being a trained jazz pianist. Mm-hmm. You know, because like everybody else was doing like all the super cool stuff. And I was just like, and I'm like the geek with my theory and my, te- you know, technical exercises and all of that. Yeah. And I hid that for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and there was a moment, actually, I think it was last year. So I was, um, I was signed to Pitched Up um, Records, which was um, DJ Target's label as well. And years later, after, you know, after like I got dropped and all of that, he played one of my records last year. And before he played it, he just said, this is one of the best pianists I know. And I thought to myself, Hannah, nobody was telling you to not play. Nobody was telling you to, to hide your geekiness or your piano, whatever, your piano. People were celebrating. That was all in my head. Yeah. It was me saying, well, these guys are all like super cool. So let me, you know, like that it had nothing to do with... They, they were, they knew what it was. They probably would have thought it was cool that you had this training. Yeah, of course. And they, and that's, and it became so bad when Target said that. I was like, wow, man, that is the whole time I'm sitting here thinking I'm like not cool enough. And he's saying she's the best pianist I know. Yeah. And it was all in my head, you know? So that, that was like really an eye opening moment. We can't run away from who we are. Yeah. So just don't, just don't own it. You know, there's, there's like a producer lifestyle that you see on, I don't know, music videos or YouTube. And as we all know, it's the same with the DJ lifestyle. It's not true, you know, or it's a very small part of the job. It's 1%. You know, of like partying and private jets and da, 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 all of that. The rest of it is just like you sitting down in front of your computer, in front of your instrument and work and work and work and work. And it doesn't look cool. It doesn't. <laughs> and it doesn't have to look cool, you know. I had a really interesting moment. Um, I had to do like a little performance and a talk and at like a sneaker store and um I was like finishing my session I was running late I was like literally getting changed putting on my makeup on and my uber um on the way there and I walked in like like a bit flustered and all of that and and everybody looked super cool was like oh like and I was thinking wow you guys look the way I th- you probably think musicians should, should look and producers should look, but we just ain't got the time because we're running from session to session and we got deadlines and we got, and, and, and for me, I find it so ironic in a way, you know, it's just yeah. like that whole, that coolness factor. It's like real life just doesn't reflect that, man. It's yeah. Just not, it's like real life. I is, think that all the time when I'm like, the more I'm doing and the more well things yeah. are going, you have this vision that you're going to be this kind of put together person who just mm. kind of wheels in. But actually mm. when you're busy and things are going well, yeah. you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. running. And, and everybody else is too. And that's the beauty yeah. of it. You know, so it's really nice. Like when you hang out with, uh, with like people from the same industry, other producers or musicians or whatever, we're just all like, we all know how to switch it on. Of course, the second yeah. the camera comes out, of course, because yeah. we're, we are in entertainment. Mm. That's part of the job. And, I love that that's part of the job, you know, yeah. like, cause we provide an escape for people. So nobody needs to really know how, how stressful the job can get, but let's not get it twisted. It's not, it's not like in the movies, is it? <laughs> no, it's just not it doesn't like that. feel like it looks no. either. No. <laughs> All the time. No, it doesn't. And yeah, I think that would be my main advice. Just like, I doubted myself for so long, so, so, mm. so, so, so long, years and years and years. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And I wish I would have gotten over that a bit mm-hmm. a bit sooner because I might not be a virtuosic pianist like some of my friends, but I can bring a song out of someone better than anyone. You know, mm. we all have our strengths and yeah. our weaknesses. Yeah. And that's the beauty of this job because then when you collaborate, you're in unbeatable. Yeah. Yeah. 
when you're looking ahead at the year, mm. do you set goals or specific targets of things that you want to work towards? You know, my goals nowadays are like more life goals, like have fun, like don't be in the studio 24 hours a day, meet up <laughs> with your friends, make make phone calls. It's it's stuff like things like that to help me be a more well-rounded human being because mm. the music thing, the music thing takes takes as long as it takes. And I'm doing everything, I'm doing everything I can to be on the right path. So I just need to make sure I don't forget to live as well. Yeah. I want to travel a bit more away from the job, you know, not just, mm. not just yes. to a gig or to a studio, but just like, let's go somewhere in the, and how about there's no music there, Hannah? There's no studio, there's no nothing. And you're just <laughs> you're chilling. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> can I, am I, I can, <laughs> you know, like just, just, just things like that. Just, just mm. live. Cause we need to live to be able to make music. And even even from like a partying point of view or a socializing point mm. of view, it'd be very easy for you to just do that with, with musicians or yeah. the world yeah. that you're in. Mm. And it's like, actually, there's other places and environments where you might want to do that and just go Absolutely. You rather than as... Yeah, because- exactly. And and being comfortable with just being Hannah, not Hannah V, because yeah. that's, a, that's a trip. Yeah. That's a trip walking into a room where people have no idea what you do. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, like now I have to like, who are, you know, like, and, and making sure you're comfortable away from the music as yeah. well. I'm, I'm definitely not there yet, but that's something I'm working on. Yeah. You know, cause we identify ourselves so much with our jobs. Of course, we love our jobs. We are our jobs, but there has to be a bit of balance. Mm. Totally. I think, but I think it's so one of the challenges when you, when you're fortunate enough to do Mm. something that you absolutely love, that Mm. if it wasn't your job, it would be your hobby or your passion is then like, Mm. how do you separate that out? It's very hard. It's really difficult. To be professional rather than to be Mm. the label that is yourself. Mm. Final question I wanted to ask yes. you is um, just related because obviously hot girls are we we do have a big focus on trying to get more women into yeah. industries and celebrate the ones that are. But I wanted to get your perspective really on why because particularly for producers the gender gap is huge. Mm. And when yeah. I came, when I really kind of started this journey, my my entry point was like looking at female rappers and yeah. not only how few are they, but the ones that there are. Why are they often kind of mm. celebrated for what? Yeah. They but from then I sort of started to understand from producer side it's almost more extreme so it's saying I think what are the numbers I think it's either it's somewhere between two and five percent of producers are female it's ridiculous it's insane you know so I think there are different factors to it I think I was like 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 we were talking about earlier when I started programming keyboards I just had that kind of I wasn't scared of the computer Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wasn't scared of programming. I just asked loads of questions and blagged the rest, whatever. Yeah. And so, and I always had that kind of, and I think sometimes, especially like, I think the times are changing now, but I remember even starting out like as a keyboard player and I had a couple of uh, musicians, female musician friends who are pianists and they're like, no, no, I just don't want to learn. Mm. Like it's too, it's, it seems complicated, uh, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, nothing is complicated in this day and age because there's there's a youtube uh, tutorial on everything nowadays mm-hmm. you know so it's it's uh, first of all just being like i want to do that i'm going to do that simple i also think in terms of producers there's very few female producers that do what i do as in run a commercial studio and have different clients mm-hmm. a lot of female producers that aren't celebrated enough are you know producers that uh, produce their own material so they're singers right. and producers mm-hmm. you know fk twigs people, artists like that, you know, Alicia Keys produces all of her stuff as well, you know, but there are not a lot of producers like me that produce for other artists consistently and constantly, you know? So I've always found it, even as a musician, you know, like I was, of course, one of the few females, even more so as a producer. And I think that's why my role is so important. It's so important to be visible Mm -hmm. because I want other younger females coming up in the game to be like, cool, Hannah's doing it. She's doing it. So we can do it, you know? Yeah. I find, of course, we live in a world where racism, sexism, classism, it's real. Mm. It's real. There's no denying that. But from the way I was raised and just, you know, I'm a stubborn person. So I kind of, I've just never taken no for an answer. Ultimately, we need to have success so that people can see that this yeah. is possible, you yeah. know? So, and that's why I'm working so hard too, man. I need, you need, I need a top 10 single. I need a top five single. I need a number mm-hmm. one single. I need, you know, like we need to keep moving up higher and higher and higher. Yeah. So that at some point people are like, who produced that? Oh, Hannah. Oh, that's cool. And that's it. 
Yeah. And it's not, oh, that chick, it's not that anymore, you know? But you know, I think that's amazing that you recognize that it almost goes, it's like your success has a bigger mm. uh, impact. Of course, of course. It always, and, and again, because it's kind of been, not my flight, but it's been my passion all through my life, you know, because mm. even as a musician, like I remember so many times, so many experiences, you know, I was, when I was with Rihanna, it was the biggest tour in the world, yet still I'd walk into rooms and people would think, who's, would say to me, whose girlfriend are you? And it would infuriate me because I was just thinking, that's just like, and that just kind of gives you a fire to. Yeah. And, and I mean, it ha- oh, it's unpleasant. It's unpleasant. And it still happens today. You know, it happens all the time. It's, you know, you go into certain big studios and people just aren't expe- expecting a female to come through. So in, in many ways, it's also really stressful because every time I do something new, I know I have to prove myself. Yeah. Because they will have never seen a brown female producer <laughs> walk into a big studio and just do their job. They, they wouldn't question it with a dude. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If somebody comes and says, says like, I'm the, I'm the producer. They'll be like, yeah, cool. I come in, there's like, you know, and so. But, yeah, and you're like, and by the way, I'm classically trained. Beyond, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> but you know, like, I've kind of like, and I, I know that that's, that that's something I have to overcome, but I don't even try and think about it because, you know, I'm going to make it work. And, and you'll see. <laughs> and I still want to do, do it all with love. Do you know what I mean? I'm so I, I don't feel the need to go in and be like, now I'm going to be a boss, but none of that, but that's not my mm-hmm. style. I, I have my own personal style and I'm not going to veer away from that just to prove to someone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 You know, you are so, just yourself and yeah. Yeah. So I think times are changing. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that, I talk about to a lot of my male producer friends that people don't think about is we need more doors opened, mm-hmm. you know, that's just the way it is. So if there are any male producers listening, if you're at a certain level and you think somebody is great for a job, bring them in, mm-hmm. bring them in. Doors still need to be opened, mm-hmm. you know, and acknowledge if you're on the other side and the privileged side, acknowledge that there's a problem and do whatever you can as well, you know, yeah. Yeah. to make that gap smaller. It's a shared responsibility. Completely, completely. Yeah. So, well, so we're getting there. Listen, we're getting there. I'm, I'm very positive about the, about the future. And like some of these young ones that are coming up, man, there's like the 16-year-old, 15-year-old female producer called Lois. She's just, her beats are insane. Like, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> she's like, Hannah, can I come to the studio? I was like, I don't even know what to show you because you're literally insane. You know, <laughs> like, but yes, so, but so I think the young ones, they, they just think, they just don't care. Yeah. They're just go. They're just out there doing it. They're getting you. So I think times are changing, um, but I, de- I definitely feel a responsibility to kick open as many doors as I can. <laughs> That's amazing, Hannah. Where can people find you? Where are you? Where are you socially and also kind of music and things that people should be looking out for coming up? So basically, you just can follow me on my socials. Um, so follow me on Instagram, Hannah V Official, Twitter, Hannah V, and all of my upcoming releases and music. Everything's on there. Do you have a you? Do you don't have a producer tag or an ad lib? Do you? That you um, kind of, I do. I just have like it's my tag is the cutest tag. Um, I got it from like a three year old in church, and I just put my phone next uh, and I said, "Can you say um, what did I want?" I wanted her to say it's a Hannah V production, but she couldn't pronounce production. <laughs> She's like, it's a Hannah V pro. And I was like, okay, forget it. Just say Hannah V. And so, so that's my producer tag. It's just like a, a super cute little girl just saying Hannah V. And I've obviously got all the delays and stuff like that on there. So cute. Cute. Um, Hannah, thank you so much. This Listen, has been such a lovely conversation. Such an Thank you so pleasure. much for having me. And enjoy the rest of your evening. And I, I will. Sessions continue going well whilst Thank we're you. all on lockdown. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. And we will see you next week. Stay safe, everyone. Bye. Bye. We keep our eyes on the prize. If no surprise, good women were destined to rise. Inspiring, celebrating, uplifting the new generation. Some hot girls, we know the vibe. All the hot girls come alive. Some hot girls, we know the vibe. All the hot girls, we know the vibe.